Hello, everyone, and welcome to Classic Vinyl Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, along with my other host here, Tyler. I love that intro music. It just uh, really fits in with the whole theme of our podcast. Does it? I think so. I've wondered if it did. I think it's beautiful music. So, are you ready to get to it? I am so ready for this uh, episode tonight. This is going to be good. A little bit different than what uh, we had last week. Yes, it is. Well, very different from a lot. Well, of, different from anything yeah, we've done. We've done. This is, but good. I mean, this is we, a good curve. Yeah, we jumped from Deep Purple's heaviest album, in my opinion, in mm-hmm. rock, to a pretty subdued mm-hmm. listening experience. Yeah, I don't remember who requested this one, but I'm glad that they did. Yeah, I this uh, album, we'll get to that in a minute, and I'll let you know who requested mm-hmm. it. But, you know, the funny thing is, is this is one of my guilty pleasures either way. Oh, yeah. You know, what's funny about this is Carol King is somebody that I know, but I didn't know that I know. Yeah, you, you start yeah. hearing all the songs and you didn't realize how many of them you actually knew and you, yeah. you didn't put Carol King with that. No, exactly. I didn't. Uh, I, I you, you say, oh, Carol King. I probably know the name Carol King, but I like she's not such a big name in my head that I even associate her with um, vinyl music, which is kind of unfortunate considering her history. You know, her solo recording history, mm-hmm. as amazing as it is. And we'll get into the other part about that. The amount of songs she's had a part in writing that people wouldn't even know. I would suggest you look it up. It's crazy. But, you know, this this album we're going to cover tonight, Tapestry, is one of my mother's favorite albums. Mm -hmm. Hi, Mom. And, you know, it is a guilty listening pleasure for me because it, it makes me wonder, you know, I'm so heavy into the classic vinyl rock, as you will, you know, and rock music in general. This doesn't seem to fit in. And for a lot of years, I wondered, am I am I doing something wrong by listening to Carol King? But I just love the music. Is your mom one of our vinyl heads out there? Yeah, I believe she's listened she's to us before. She's a vinyl head listener, huh? Yeah. Right on. So let me get into a little history about... Okay, let me get into a little bit of history about Carol King. She was born Carol Joan Klein on February 9th of 1942. She was. Uh, she changed her name sometime in the 50s during high school. She started a band, and I guess she decided she wanted to have a more catchy name, you know, and not have the, the Jewish name she was born with. So she changed it to Carol King, and it stuck with her the rest instead of her of, life. Instead of Klein. Yeah, which, you know, I don't get it, but it is what it is, and I'm, I'm sure the times obviously were different, and you okay. have a lot of prejudices. You know, she made... A lot of demo records from her high school years into her early, you know, into her early 20s and things with her really good friend, Paul Simon, who people probably recognize his name. Now, I do recognize Paul Simon's name. Yeah. Yeah. And in 1959, she married Jerry Goffin when she was just 17 years old. And her and Jerry Goffin are responsible for more music than we can even come close to naming. The two of them, they co-wrote... 118 hits that made the Billboard Top 100. So that that's pretty that's impressive. insane. <laughs> they also wrote 61 hits that charted in the UK, and it made her the most successful songwriter, female songwriter, I should say, in the UK charts between 1962 and 2005. So for almost 45 years, she was the most successful female songwriter. She's famous for, her and Jerry Goffin are famous for writing a ton of songs. You know, Mm -hmm. 
Chains is a song the Beatles recorded on their very first album that they wrote. Uh, the Locomotion, which was recorded by a number of people, Grand mm-hmm. Funk Railroad being one of them. I'm Into Something Good by Herman's Hermits. One Fine Day by the Chiffons. Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees. You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin, which is actually mm-hmm. on this album. But, yeah. you know, and we could sit here and we could do a whole episode, probably a 10-part episode on the the songs that her and Jerry Goffin are responsible for, but... Yeah. I would suggest you go look up a list because if you haven't heard of Carol King or maybe you don't know exactly all she is responsible for, mm-hmm. you'll be pretty surprised. Okay, so she's a, a, a of Jewish ancestry? Correct, yeah. Okay, is she is she white or black? She is white. I'm really surprised because the like the style that she has um, that's one of the first things I noticed in the very first song. I feel the earth move. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I ought to hold that thought until then, but I'm going to say it now is that she has this style in her voice that just kind of transcends. She could be any ethnicity. Yeah. She's yeah. And that's one thing that makes her music and we'll, we'll certainly get into that, but there's nothing flashy about her music. Yeah at all and the they, whole time that we were sitting here listening to this album i thought i was listening to a black lady sing yeah and i normally show you the cover but yeah i didn't have the cover on this one because the the cover somehow got lost when i <laughs> that, got this vinyl. Right. so it's kind of interesting but she is responsible she's made over 25 mm-hmm. solo albums and sold over 75 million albums worldwide yeah um she has one of her albums that went diamond which is the one we're listening to now and mm-hmm. that's pretty rare yeah uh two platinum albums and six gold albums so pretty pretty impressive i can see why this went diamond yeah and she she hasn't had a lot of singles but she did release it's too late i feel the earth move and jazz man it's too late and i feel the earth move both went to number one and jazz man hit number two mm-hmm. so really as far as her solo career she didn't release a lot of singles in fact some of the yeah. songs that were that she had her and jerry goffin had written together for other artists that hit number one, she'd put on her albums but didn't release them as singles, which is, I don't know why. Maybe it's just the way she wanted to do it, you know? Hmm. But she has won four Grammys, and she's been inducted in the Songwriters Hall of Fame and twice into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, once as a performer and once as a songwriter. I would say her career speaks for itself. The funny thing about that is I don't think a lot of people, especially nowadays, know who Carole King is. I mean, I even... It kind of kicked off with exactly what you said, right? Yeah, I I know Carol King. I just didn't know that I know Carol King because, like, listening to this album, I've heard at least half of these songs. Yeah, on this of the twelve here, uh, over half I've heard before. So there was there was a few that were new to me, um, but once again, I mean that's that's not too surprising considering the songs that they are on this Diamond album. Uh, this is. The, the, these are everywhere throughout pop culture, throughout modern culture. They're timeless classics. Well, like I was saying to you before we started recording, is you can catch these songs on easy listening radio, mm-hmm. singer songwriter radio, the 60s station, the 70s station, classic vinyl, classic mm-hmm. rock, whatever it is. I mean, yeah. it, it fits everywhere. It transcends just like her voice, but the music is just good, easy listening. Yeah, it is. You know, after listening to Deep Purple and Rock, which we both really love, this is certainly a palate cleanser of some kind towards that. It, yeah. It's certainly 
something you can sit down and listen to, I think, with anyone, really. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these songs, these are good songs uh, for when the passion is rising. These are baby making music. Yeah, I can see that as well. So do you want to get to the album review? Please do. And now it's time for the album review. We're going to review Carol King and her amazing album, Tapestry, tonight. Now, this was emailed to classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com by Erica from New Mexico. She was She's enjoyed our podcast so far, but we hadn't done any episodes on females. Yeah, and, and uh, that's our oversight. <laughs> that is our oversight. But funny enough, Carol King was on our list to do later this year. Yeah, she was. So we so, just bumped her up the list. <laughs> yeah, she just got bumped up the list since someone requested it. So... Not a problem there yeah. at all. Because Thank I, you, Erica. Because I love this album. Yeah. So this album, Tapestry, was released on February 10th of 1971. It is Carole King's second studio album as a solo artist. Now, it was produced by... This is just her second just album. Just her second album. And a lot of... You see that a lot with sophomore albums, you know, where mm-hmm. they really hit big. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times when you have groups or artists that have a huge debut album, then sometimes their sophomore albums mm-hmm. let down, you know. Yeah, it, it's an amazing album. So it was produced by Lou Adler, and Lou Adler has produced so many artists, it's tough to name, but to name a few, The Grassroots, Jan and Dean, The Mamas and the Papas, there's a ton of others. He's also been an executive producer for a lot of films, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and a lot of Cheech and Chong films. So Lou Adler, pretty famous in the production world, in music yeah. and in movies. It was recorded at AM Recording Studios in Hollywood, California. Now, there were four singles released off this album. So Far Away, Smackwater Jack, I Feel the Earth Move, and It's Too Late. All very, very, I say, recognizable songs. Probably Smackwater Jack is the one that's least recognizable. Yeah. Uh, three of the four I knew, and Smackwater Jack was uh, one of the first for yeah. me. Yeah. Like we said, this this album had went diamond, sold over 30 million copies worldwide. It's certified 14 times platinum. I jotted this note down because I'm I'm kind of pessimistic when it comes to things like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and the Rolling Stone list because just because something's popular mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's good. That's true. And just because something isn't popular doesn't mean it isn't good. That's right. But this is one thing. The hip-hop culture, it sold well. It's deservedly so, all the way around, in my opinion. So if you don't think that this album is good, well, you might be right just for you. Well, and that's what everything's about, right? It really is, isn't it? So this album, it actually won four Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year, Song of the Year for You've Got a Friend, Record of the Year for It's Too Late. And I always wondered what the difference between Song of the Year and Record of the Year was. But Was the Record of the Year being the single? I guess. I don't know. It's kind of weird that you can have a Song of the Year and the Record of the Year. But I guess good for Carole King that she ended yeah. up with two Grammys. And then she won the Best Female Vocal Performance uh, that year as well. Rightly so. So the cover of this album, which you haven't seen yet because I don't have the cover. I should have had you look it up, but I know it really well. It's a picture of Carol King. She's sitting kind of on the windowsill at her Laurel Canyon home. She's sitting there shoeless, you know, by the window, holding a tapestry, and she's got her cat at her feet. That's a, that's a very fitting description of the cover that I would expect for this album. Yeah, you should have really looked at it before. I should have, and uh, you know, but seeing like the description there. I'm like, okay, this really fits because 
these are woman power songs or power woman songs or you know, yeah i very I can, empowering i could see that but i don't really take it to me i don't look mm-hmm. at it as female empowerment i just look at it as empowerment in general mm-hmm. and good yeah all around songs you know well these are songs that you're just going to be happy listening to at, like with your cat at your bare feet hanging out looking out the window in your laurel canyon home I wish I had a Laurel Canyon home. Well, that's our first step. Um, I have a couple of cats. You can borrow one. I'd rather have the home before the cat. Okay. But we'll work on that. that that's fair. They're bad cats, as most cats are. So this album spent 15 weeks on the Billboard charts at number one, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that it, is. And it was on the Billboard charts for a total of 313 weeks, which is second only to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. That's really noteworthy. It's, That's so incredible. It's very noteworthy, and I think the biggest reason is is because this hits everyone. I, yeah, you know, if you're a guy and you want to be tough and say you don't like Carol King, I guess that's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. And I myself admitted that it was kind of strange mm-hmm. saying that, but I don't. You know, I mean, I a Carol King song comes on the radio, mm-hmm. I stop and listen no matter yeah. what. I've just always enjoyed it, and this is an amazing album. So, mm-hmm. you want to get to it? Let's do it. Okay, so here's side one. Side one. That announcer is just way too hard for this album. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we should have toned him down a little bit. But, you know, going into the verse song, it's about the hardest song on the album, so let's do it. It, it really is yeah. about the hardest and about the fastest-paced song on the yeah. album. I feel the earth move. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are a couple songs that are different and this is one of them, but I think this is an excellent way to open it up Yeah, because when we say this is the fastest and the hardest song on the <laughs> album, I say that with a grin because there's nothing yeah. heavy about this song, but let me give you a little history on the song. The song was written by Carol King and you're going to see this on all these songs is the band lineup is different on all of them. So I'll just kind of tell you the, the band lineup. Obviously okay. Carol King plays piano. And vocals on this. Danny Cooch is the guitar. Charles Larkey is bass. Joel O'Brien is drums. And this was a double A-sided single that they released. That she released, I should say. And it had It's Too Late on the other side. This reached number one in the U.S. and number six in the U.K. You know, it's basically a love song. When when you do a little research, they say, well, maybe it's a love song and an exercise in female sexual liberation. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. but I, I think it is, and it also was the perfect time for this song, because this is uh, 1971. Yeah, uh, Women's Lib was real big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's a really good song. It's You'll hear me say this on almost every single song on this album, is this has got a good piano. And then the vocals, Carol King's vocals, to me, are what make it. Because you're not going to yeah. find a song on here that we say, man, that has a jam and bass line, and the drums are just popping out of the speakers on this, because that's not the kind of music this is. No, uh, there is one point in the song where I jotted down that Danny Cooch on the guitar had really excellent fingering skills. Yeah, but it is still subdued. But it is. It, it's yeah. it's not that part was written into the music and that's why I think the the tapestry label or you know the name for this album is perfect because the, this thing plays out like a tapestry and each song is put together like a tapestry with little elements here and there that you're going to see. Yeah. About the only thing that are forward on all these songs is obviously the piano and the vocals are 
And that's what needs to be, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because he, that's what shines. Yeah, this is uh, an album that is exactly what it needs to be. This is like a perfect piece of artwork because the the message and the music is very clear. Yeah, it is. And her, her vocals are perfect for the style mm-hmm. of piano she plays. And this song is is got a good pace. It's got some good little guitar licks in it. And like I said, they're a little more subdued and they're in the background, but you know, they're good. I, I really like, you know, the, the visionary of the lyrics, the imagery of them, you know, the sky tumbling down hot and cold all over, all over, you know, it's just an excellent song, upbeat song to start the album. I'll tell you the first time that I heard this song, it was in, I think 1993. I was uh, living in Fresno, California at the time. And, um, they had like this display at the discovery center children's museum of like this house front where they did a, an earthquake simulator and they played this song right before doing an earthquake announcement on the radio and then shaking the whole thing. <laughs> Seems <laughs> like a kind of a strange, I mean, I get, I get it with, I feel the earth move, but yeah, which that's, it was kind of funny. That that's what they picked, but then that's why they picked it. It was yeah, just kind of funny. That makes sense. I mean, this, this is a great song. Yeah. I I think everyone probably knows this song. Maybe they don't know it's Carole King. If you like this song at all, you should certainly check out more of Carole King. Yeah, and you're going to be surprised like how much you really know Carole King because she sings a lot of songs, a lot of hits out there. Well, she does. So we move on to song two, So Far Away. Mm-hmm. Now, this song is definitely a slower song. This This fits in more with the theme of the rest of the album. Once again, a beautiful mm-hmm. piano intro. The piano is very prominent yeah. in this song as it is in all others. I do hear the bass lines in this song quite a bit. Before we get to that too much, this is another song written by Carol King. It does feature James Taylor on acoustic guitar on this. It's got Curtis Amy on the flute, Russ mm-hmm. Kunkel on the drums, and Charles Larkey on the bass. It's funny because when I say Russ Kunkel on the drums, I don't even know if I heard any drums in this song. It doesn't stand out. No. But if there was drums in the song, it's that's kind of the beauty of it, is that these guys as a, a band performing, and, you know, James Taylor on acoustic guitar, they're all just, you know, so smooth and mellow for this song. Because this is a very woeful song. Woeful, I, I don't know, is the word. But it's a very sorrowful song. Yeah, it is. It's and longing. It, and it, it gives you that longing feeling. Yeah. So th- this song reached number 14 on the Billboard charts, but actually reached number three on the U.S. adult contemporary charts. And that, that kind of speaks to what we were saying before. Is yeah. You could probably release them on all mm-hmm. kinds of charts, maybe even R&B, you know, sure. because there is a lot of soul in this. And so she's got a very soulful voice. Yeah. And I do like the guitar in this. It's very subdued in it, but it's James Taylor does an amazing job on the acoustic. Mm-hmm. It's got some flute at the end of the song. That's pretty, pretty decent mm-hmm. sounding and fits in well because it's not over the, it's not like over the edge flute or anything. It's just once again, really subdued. Well, it's the seventies. The flute was, uh, that was one of the instruments of the times. Well, for Jethro Tull. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I've listened to this album a lot of times, but until we sat down to to uh, review it, I never really thought of the flute mm-hmm. being in it. So it's hard to say, but I thought that was a nice touch to the song, and that's a good song. It, it was a good way to, to end it, really sent that message. What the, the way that a flute plays out 
uh, really conveys that pining feeling. Well, and I think all these songs, the whole album through, is Mm -hmm. every instrumentation that's used is done in such a light touch, Mm -hmm. tasteful, I guess, like you say, Mm -hmm. that that it doesn't overpower anything. I would assume that's what they planned on doing. Probably so. It it, it seems like everything on here is very intentional. Yeah. It's It's a painting that you're watching, and every brush stroke is exactly what the artist is trying to do. So we move on to song three, It's Too Late. Another song that is very recognizable. It's got a very recognizable piano intro. Once again, the vocals on this are amazing. Tony Stern wrote the lyrics on this, and Carol King wrote the actual music. And the lyrics, according to Tony Stern, describe basically a blameless end to a loving relationship. The artists on this, playing on this song, are Curtis Amy plays saxophone, Danny Korchmar plays guitar, Charles Larkey plays bass, Joel O'Brien the drums, and Ralph Shuckett plays the electric piano. And obviously, Carol King plays the piano and sings the vocals. This song, when released as a single, it reached number one in the U.S. and number six in the U.K. This song, different. yeah, this is the song she won for Record of the Year in mm-hmm. 1972, the Grammy. Wow. And it's been covered by more artists than you can even shake oh, a yeah. stick at. It's I mean, too in late, TV baby. and film and everything. It, so it's way too late. Something inside has died. It has. Yeah. But this this is an absolute beautiful song, in my opinion. It's got, in the middle, it's got a beautiful piano solo. Once again, very, very subdued. But then mm-hmm. it kind of kicks into a little guitar solo that's very simple over the top of it. And it's even got a little saxophone after that, which mm-hmm. I really like the way that puts in. You know, Because when, when you think of things... At least when I do, when I think of a song having flute or saxophone, I think it's going to be like overpowering. But the way they produce and mix this in is just perfect. It's incredible the way that they were able to mix that in. So what do you think of this song? You know, I really like the music of the song. The message of it tells me that this person, and this is coming from my background in like when when I did go to college before being, you know, escorted off by the, you know, police, I... I did. I studied like uh, marriage therapy, and I'm like looking at this like, okay, relationships don't just die. You stop feeding it. I mean, a relationship's a lot like a plant that you gotta, you know, take care of it, nurture it, and put effort into it. Once you do that, it's gonna flourish and blossom, and you're gonna have a healthy relationship. So if it's something has just died, and well, it's time to move on, that's on you, as, as my opinion. And that, folks, is relationship advice from Tyler, the yeah. doctor. That's right. Dr. Tyler just telling you that if you want a happy, healthy relationship, it's going to take effort. It doesn't just, you don't just wake up and like, oh, I don't feel like loving you anymore. Really? Sometimes <laughs> they don't want you to love them either. I've been told that many times too, yeah. which is why, you know, the police have been involved. That happens. Yeah. Okay, so on to the next song, Home Again. Home Again. This was new to me. Yeah, I was going to say, I believe this is the first song that you didn't know right offhand. Yeah, that's right. And once again, it's got a nice piano intro. Mm -hmm. This song was written by Carol King. I couldn't find the band details on this. I searched Mm -hmm. and searched, but couldn't find who the band put together. But I'm going to name most of the band members on each song, and it's some probably formation of... Anything else? We're going to just assume it was a studio band. Exactly. 
you know, this, this song's about longing to be home again and be with her love, you know, see him or her again or however you want to take it. But this is the first song, you know, once again, like I said, it has that piano intro and amazing vocals again that fit in perfect. But this is the first song that has actually prominent drumming in it. Yeah. And when I say prominent drumming, it's not like it's pulled forward and overpowering. It's just the mm. first song I yeah. actually thought, oh, I can hear the drums. Yeah, there's the drums. It's a really easy listening song. This song for me is probably one of my least favorite on the album. I can listen to this whole album straight through. I love the album. You know, mm-hmm. I don't skip any of the songs on this, but this yeah. song just was maybe more album ne- filler. Yeah, just a neutral song for me. Not yeah. a bad song, but mm-hmm. not not a great song. Nothing stood yeah. out for me on this. What, what do you think on this one? I think that uh, for what it is, Carol really captures the message. And that feeling in her words and also in her voice, in her style. She really conveys the homesickness feeling. So this is a song that I would pull out if I was feeling homesick. You know, that really just resonates with it, with that feeling that you get. Yeah, and I think it's a good song. Yeah, Don't I'm get me wrong. I'm glad you made it. I, yeah, it's a but great song. It, I just it, it, It's just kind of a, a niche song. It's not something that you're always going to be wanting to listen to. It's not the most powerful song on the album. Yeah musically or anything but Mm -hmm. it's still a beautiful song so we move on to the next song speaking of beautiful and it's Mm -hmm. actually called beautiful yeah now this song was written by carol king again she plays piano and synthesizer on this song danny cooch is on guitar and congas charles larkey on guitar and joel o'brien on drums funny enough they don't even show it having a bass player on this but yeah this carol king states that she came up with the lyrics for this while riding the new york city subway she realized the way that others perceived her was the way she felt. You know, that reflected the way she felt. You know, this song's been covered by a ton of artists, more than we could even name. That kind of goes with every other song on the album, right? Yeah. They've been covered by so many people. You hear them on commercials and television and film and everything. So it was strange for me that this was a new song to me because it seems like the message of this song, I find that message really strongly resonates. Once again, it's got psychological background of mine where everyone is ugly when you feel ugly. You know, you, you look around and however you're feeling inside is how you're going to perceive the people around you. And I was pretty surprised you hadn't heard this song because mm-hmm. it does get quite a bit of radio play. And so how I made it this far is beyond me, but I, I guess I don't listen to the radio all that much. Now I do need to like qualify my last statement that when you when you feel ugly, everybody looks ugly to you. That it's true except for in this instance. No, wait a minute. When you feel ugly, everyone yeah. looks ugly to you. Yeah, that's what her message is. Okay. It's like, uh, however you're feeling inside is how you're going to perceive other people around you. Okay, anyways, getting to the song. This one had a little quicker intro than the last few songs. It's definitely a little more upbeat. It's got very visual lyrics to me, just speaking about a day in her life, you know, riding the subway and trying trying to envision what people are thinking. Are they thinking the same thing as me? Am I thinking the same thing as them, you know? what's life about type of thing, you know, in my day to day. And she's really a master songwriter because everything about this song makes you feel like you're inside her mind on the subway, looking out through her eyes and seeing the people around her. It is a little more upbeat song, especially during the chorus. It gets upbeat. 
once again, it's not very prominent in any of the background music or anything like that. It's just, you know, the piano and the vocals that really shine in this song. And it's, it's a good song. I, it's certainly not going to be on my top list as favorite on this album. It's, it's a great song. Nonetheless, not once again, not a skip. Yeah. I really like the message of the song that I show the world. You have so much to offer and they will see you as beautiful as you feel. I think that's kind of what I like about the song more than the actual musical Mm -hmm. side of it is just the message and the lyrics. Exactly. Yeah. And, And that's true with a lot of the songs on this album. Yeah. I really like the messages. So we move over to the last song on side one, Way Over Yonder. And this is kind of an interesting song. This one was also written by Carol King, apparently written about finding her own inner peace. It's another song I could not find the band details on. You know, this kind of as the song starts, it kind of gives me a slow bluesy feeling in a way. I wrote down, there's something haunting about this song. Yeah, yeah. It, it does give that blues feeling, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of a longing or something. I, I don't know. It's kind of strange. Once again, the vocals are strong, strong mm-hmm. on this. And I really like the harmonies in the chorus. It's kind of the first time on this album so far that you get harmonies in the chorus. There's a few songs, but most of them are... Pretty solo with Carol King, you know, but mm-hmm. this one does have good harmonies in it. And I, although I like those, there's a couple portions where the background singer sings by herself in the background, and I don't like that. It it sticks out kind of like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, like what's she doing? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was okay when she was singing with her. Yeah, I assume that was her, the whoever the background is singing with Carol King, either mm-hmm. that or they doubled over her doubles. vocals yeah. or something. But but I didn't like when the background singer shouted out alone. It just seemed way, way out of place. And this is kind of the first and only mm-hmm. song on the album where I thought something in the song was severely out of place. And that seemed out of place to me. It does have a saxophone solo in a it. Sexy phone. Yeah, a sexy phone. Yeah. And it, it's actually pretty decent because it, it's kept down on the softer side. <laughs> and I like that because it that part didn't stick out to me, you know. Yeah. You know, I just love the imagery of the lyrics again. Way over yonder, that's where I'm bound. What yeah. were your thoughts on this song? I really liked it. It, it's, it seems like heading towards something and then you're getting discouraged. But then you keep the thought that you weren't there yet. The journey isn't over. So it's it's one of those, it's kind of inspiring music. It's a good song. Good song yeah. to, to close out the first side. I just thought that background singer was a little out of place. So let's go to side two. Side two. Okay, so it opens up with an amazing song. Yeah. You've Got a Friend. James Taylor. <laughs> yeah, something like that, o- right? Obviously, these two are great friends, right? Well, of course they are. <laughs> They've played live together a number of times. But this mm-hmm. song was written by Carol King. She plays piano on it. The band on this is David Campbell on viola, Terry King on cello, Danny Korthmar on conga, Charles Larkey on bass, Barry Socher on violin, and Mr. James Taylor on acoustic guitar. This song, when it was released as a single, reached number one in the U.S. and number four in the U.K. Once again, the U.K. is behind on that for some reason. And a, well, they're, they're a bit more um, dark. Yeah, they were they were into Deep Purple at the time, remember? Yeah, these guys, there was a lot of rage and hate in the U.K. One of the most interesting things about this song is this song also reached number one here in the U.S. for James Taylor the very same year. Now, what's really strange is they recorded it the same time with the same band. So they basically recorded Carol King's version 
James Taylor turned around with the same band and recorded his version. He sings, he plays acoustic on this and a little bit of background vocals. She sings background vocals on his song. Mm-hmm. Now his song. And you know, she's good. She's yeah, she's good at background because we listened to both versions. Yeah, we did listen to both versions. You know, I absolutely love James Taylor's version, mm-hmm. but I can tell you one thing. I like Carol King's better. And see, I listened to this. And I'm like, James Taylor stole Carol's style for singing this song. And I, I say that with confidence because she sang it first. They recorded her version first. And then when they w- went through, James is like, well, I can't beat that. So rather than ma- taking it, making it his own, he just sang it the same way she did. Well, it is pretty amazing, though, that they both hit number one with it in the same year. You know, hers is obviously. He wrote on her coattails. He certainly yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say a couple things about that. This song by Carol King is definitely piano driven. James Taylor's version is definitely acoustic guitar driven. But according to Carol King, she actually come up with the idea for this song as a response to his song, James Taylor's song, Fire and Rain. The part where I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. I remember that lyric. Yeah. Yeah, That's where she, where she come up with this, you know, to kind of back that up. I've seen lonely times where I could not find a friend. Well, guess what? You've got a friend. Yeah. Because King knows how to be a good friend. Carol King, she's good people. She even let James Taylor have her style. She did a song. Yeah. And, you know, James Taylor and Carol King have played live together a number of times. This is a song that's a staple of their live show. These, these two have to be great friends. There's well, no way they can. Yeah. Be, and right? you really need to go YouTube it or whatever and see because them singing it together is something special, I think. I'm sure it is. I need to go see that. Yeah. It's an amazing song. You know, and it's been covered by a ton of people. Obviously, James Taylor. <laughs> Dusty, ten, 10 minutes later, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 10 <laughs> minutes later. Dusty, Dusty Springfield, Michael Jackson, Ann Murray, and a ton of others. I mean, it's a very well-known song. I really like this song. I mean, once again, piano intro, that's probably one of the most recognizable intros of her songs. The vocal, once again, is absolutely amazing. And it's a perfect song to start out side two of the vinyl. And the piano playing in this song is amazing. I really don't find much about this song I don't like. I shouldn't even say I don't find much. There's nothing I don't like about this song. I love the chord changes in the chorus. It lowers down and it's just kind of got a cool sound. I like the viola and the cello in this. It's so subtle and you can just barely hear it in the background, but it's to me, it's a tasteful use of it instead of overpowering it like you could do, you know, like Mm -hmm. Phil Spector would want to do with his wall of sound, like when he ruined the Beatles' Let It Be, in my opinion, but that's a whole other story. Just a beautiful song all the way around. Mm -hmm. I did make another note on this one, like I did on the album, that sometimes pop culture is wrong just because something's popular, but this song, reaching number one for both artists, this is just a beautiful song. This song belongs in number one. This is a song that's about... I mean, you could change out the title, You've Got a Friend with True Blue Friendship. Because this song is really about, like, when you when you need a friend, good friends are always there for you. No matter what time of the day or night, time of the year, they're there ready to provide whatever it is you need to listen to you, to help you out, to, you know, help to drive, pick you up somewhere or take you somewhere, whatever. That That's true friendship, and it's pretty rare. But also, Carol King is teaching you in this song how to be that kind of friend. Yeah, and, you know, there's... Some of the songs have, I would say, you know, the lyrics aren't literal. I, the lyrics in this are quite literal, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're beautiful. They are. And she's a she's a poetess. 
just poet or poetess? One of the two. I like poetess. Miss Poet. Yeah, Miss Poet. Okay, so let's move on to the next song, Where You Lead. This song, the lyrics are by Tony Stern and Carol King, and the music's by Carol King, and she plays piano. As far as the band, you've got Mary Clayton, which we had talked about her before. She had sang on Gimme Shelter by the mm-hmm. Rolling Stones when we did our Let It Bleed album review. She does the background vocals. Danny Korchmar on guitar, Russ Kunkel on drums, Charles Larkey on bass, Ralph Shuckett on electric piano, and Julia Tillman also does background vocals. Barbara Streisand also released a version of this, which reached number 40 on the Billboard charts. Uh, Carol King did not release this as a single. It's just an album track. And according to her, the lyrics kind of suggest stereotypes that a woman you know, should not put her desire for a career ahead of pleasing your husband. You know, that old stereotype that's, mm-hmm. you got to be this, you got to be that. And that's your place in the world. And this is kind of the, you know, the sarcasm side of that, you know, yeah. that's not the way you need to be. You can be a woman and no. have your own life. Yeah. She's a feminist. And so, but at the same time, I'm sitting here listening to this. I'm like, this is an interesting message to say that feminism or means excelling at whatever you want to do. If you want to be a career girl, be the best dang career driven girl that you, that you can be. If you want to be a housewife, be the best dang support system for your husband. That I mean, if that's, what's important to you, go do it. And it's great. Yeah. But I think if you put yourself in the times, it's unfortunate that women had to speak out like this, you know, but it's also fortunate for us. So you're saying that she said that was all tongue in cheek. I, I think so. I, I think from the interviews okay. I've read and stuff, that's kind of what yeah. it is. And, you know, it's unfortunate that you had to have people mm-hmm. speaking out about that. And that's the way the world was. And it is is still in some ways, you know. Yeah. We got beautiful songs and messaging from it as well. So mm-hmm. as far as, you know, as far as musically, the song is kind of got a different intro than some of the other songs. It's got a little bit of piano g- intro, but it's mostly guitar on the mm-hmm. intro. And it, this song's a little more upbeat. And... You know, if probably out of any of the songs, this features guitar more than any, but not heavy guitar, just... Well, and I mean, Mary Clayton from the Rolling Stones, you don't get that, um, you know, her screaming about rape and murder no. is just a shout away. No, like you do yeah. in Gimme Shelter, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. she even she's subdued. Yeah, and it fits in perfect. Okay, so the next song is another recognizable song, Will You Love Me Tomorrow? This was written by... Carol King and her ex-husband, Jerry Goffin, quite a while before this album was released. He wrote the lyrics. She wrote the music. She plays the piano. Danny Korchmar is on acoustic guitar on this. Russ Kunkel on drums. Charles Larkey on bass. And then you have a couple other famous people. You have Joni Mitchell doing the background vocals. And James Taylor, once again, is on acoustic guitar and background vocals. This is a song that when Jerry Goffin and Carol King wrote it, they originally give it to the Shirelles to release in 1960 in R&B band. Mm-hmm. And they took it all the way to number one. So I would suggest you listen to both versions because mm-hmm. Carol King did not release this as a single, which I think she should have because this yeah. is a beautiful song. It's been covered by a lot of people, you know, the four seasons, Linda Ronstadt, Roberta Flack, Dave Mason, Dionne Warwick, and even Taylor Swift among many, many others. It's, it's a very, very good song. It's got an amazing piano intro to it again. And it is a slow, subdued song mm-hmm. once again. I say slow and subdued a lot in this, but that's kind of what it is, you know? Yeah, that's kind of the, the pace of this album. 
It really is, but it it's in a nice way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in a calming fashion as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I was uh, listening to what she's saying, and it seems like she's saying when you, you know, the guys are only after one thing for the most part, and if a girl gives that up to him too soon, then he walks away with what he considers a sexual conquest and doesn't feel the need to call her again. Yeah, he got what he needed, right? Exactly. So she's asking that question. Okay, you're saying whatever you need to say, but will you still be around tomorrow? Are you going to call me tomorrow? Is this like a love thing that we're going into, or am I just a conquest? I can kind of see where you're coming from there, but remember the lyrics were written by her husband, Jerry Goffin. So, so might, he should know. Yeah, he should know the answer yeah. to that. Uh-huh. So I don't. that's kind of interesting. But, but I, I guess that flips it around. And makes it, okay, there's two people involved in this relationship, and she's trying to hook herself into a relationship, possibly. So, is she going to be able to snag him with her hook, or is he going to get what he wants and leave? Yeah, and it makes me wonder, you know, because Jerry Goffin and Carol King, their whole point when they were younger mm-hmm. and first married was to write songs for other people, right? So it makes you wonder how much meaning actually went into it. Is this song written as a personal front or is it written to be lyrically and musically hooking? You know, and that's what I always wondered about the ones that were written by Jerry Goffin and her, because I mean, this did hit number one for the Mm -hmm. Shirelles, which is pretty surprising. Well, I I wonder that mostly because um, a lot of people write what they know or write from their own personal experience. Yeah. So that's why that that makes me question it as well. Well, you know, one thing I really like about this song, it's a good song as far as I'm concerned, but the background vocals on this, the harmonies with James Taylor and Mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell are amazing on this. Yes, they are. I really like it. And then it's got, it's got amazing, just simple acoustic overlays by James Taylor through the whole thing Mm -hmm. that are just, they're there, but you really have to pay attention to listen to them, you know, because they're not jumping out at you. Uh, the p- the piano once again is amazing. I love how it closes the song out, and then it has a little acoustical riff to yeah. close the song out. And I really like the ending of this song too. Okay, so we'll move on to Smackwater Jack, the yep. fourth single that you another new one for me. Yeah, that you weren't familiar with. No. Now this is another one written by Jerry Goffin and Carol King earlier, mm-hmm. and she plays piano. You've got Curtis Amy on the saxophone. Mary Clayton, once again, is background vocals. Danny Korchmar is guitar. Joel O'Brien, drums. Ralph Shuckett, he plays the electric piano. This was the B-side to the single So Far Away, which they reached number 14 in the U.S. And supposedly this is just kind of a made-up song about some outlaw in the Old West, right? Who got a shotgun and decided to blow up a congregation with it. <laughs> yes, he did. Now, the first thing I said to you when we were listening to this is this is the most different song on yeah, the album. This could be a country song. Yeah, and I think lyrically, mm-hmm. not musically, it's not even close to country. No. I, the, but the they, words, yeah. yes. Yeah, the, without a doubt. Yeah, the music style. I mean, I could see the... That, there's a couple of country-ish, but it doesn't really go into full country. It stays in that, you know, R&B kind of uh, rock and roll. Yeah, and it's area. still piano-driven, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I like the lyrics. You can't talk to a man with a shotgun in his hand, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got kind of a parlor-style piano solo in the middle yeah. that's what it reminds me mm-hmm. of is an old west parlor yeah it really does and it's mm-hmm. it's got a good little guitar riff over it too but this song definitely musically doesn't fit 
in this album as well as everything else. No, it, it, it's a good ballad. This the song's the sore thumb. Yeah, when it first kicks into the intro, you know, it kind of it's got some cool little piano runs and stuff, but it just seems weird to me that it's almost like a slowed down parlor song. You know, I yeah. don't I don't know how to explain it. it this is probably mm-hmm. my least favorite song on the album. And That's it, fair. It, it's kind of funny that they released it as a single mm-hmm. and i i don't dislike this song at all no it's it's not a bad song it but just it, it kind of it sticks out like a sore thumb yeah it almost doesn't follow the mood right yeah and mm-hmm. even though like it where it kicks off with the and, and where it's at it's like in the middle of this of side b or side two yeah and you know you've got i feel the earth move and it kicks off and it's faster mm-hmm. than most of the songs and it's different but it still seems to fit in yeah. different than this does so not, this one's different in tone and writing and everything yeah not a bad song just just kind of strange and it it is kind of strange that they chose that for a single and not one of the others like you make me feel like a natural Mm -hmm. woman or will you love me tomorrow or something like that that's like if you're reading uh tennyson poetry and then all of a sudden he decides that his next poem is going to be some cowboy poetry and he starts talking about sitting around the campfire and tipping his hat down low, and it, it just doesn't really. Yeah, maybe beautiful Tennyson work, but it's it's not like the rest. Of no, but I will say that yeah. once again, I don't skip this song. I, I listen sure. to the whole song through. Yeah. It's a good song. It's just kind of a little bit of a sore thumb there. So the next song, Tapestry, the title song. This is another one written earlier by Carol King and Jerry Goffin. They wrote mm-hmm. the lyrics and the music together. And this is basically a song describing the part of the tapestry of all our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Which everything weaves together and we're moving from one event to the other and everything's always changing, right? And and it kind of a a breakdown for the whole theme of the album in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Yeah, this this whole album really feels like you're walking. I mean, I've, I've been through a, a few museums in Europe with and seen some tapestries that have, are made up of different uh, images, and you know they tell a story by showing you like a progression of what happened. That's how this whole album is put together. It is a beautiful piece of work. Well, in this song, you know, it's got another piano intro to it. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. intro, and you know what I wrote as I wrote. It's kind of the same intro that we've heard on a lot of them. But for some reason, I don't feel like an overkill on that. It's like yeah. it's the same, but not really. It, it's because every song just has that really soft feeling, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. not soft listening either. It's, I don't know. It's just is what it is, but yeah. it, it doesn't give me that go to sleep feeling. It's mm-hmm. just it almost gives me that, you know, not a pun on an eagle song, but that peaceful, easy feeling, you know, it, it's this, calming. Yeah, it is calming. And, you know, the one thing, it, I don't know if it's an organ, like an electric piano or something in this song or a guitar, mm-hmm. but it's got a tremolo effect on it. Should stick out funny, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed it because yeah. it's just in the background. And, and then this song is just has a beautiful, soft ending that's mm-hmm. perfect. It really is. So a, a really beautiful song. I and, love that song. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I think it's a great title track for the album. And it was a new one for me, too. So that moves us on to the final song of the album, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Now, this is another thing I find funny about this song. This is an early song that the lyrics are by her husband, Jerry Goffin, and the music's by King. That's what makes, I mean, he's So, obvious. ladies. <laughs> 
Maybe there's a reason they got divorced. I mean, if he feels like a natural woman, yeah. not like there's anything yeah. wrong with that. I'm just saying. I think that's kind of what makes me feel that he's writing songs he knows are going to be hooks for other bands, right? Yeah. Because that was their whole purpose is they were writing these songs to be hits. Yeah, it seems like Jerry really understands what people want to hear. Yeah, and and this was, you know, originally Atlantic Records wanted this song for Aretha Franklin. So it was released for Aretha Franklin in 1967, four years before this album, and it reached number two in the U.S. My opinion is if Carol King would have released this song, it would have easily been a number one single. Absolutely. Carol is better than Aretha, and I wrote that down. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's been recorded by a lot of other people, but Peggy Lipton and mm-hmm. Peggy Lee both recorded this song a couple years before Tapestry come out. So that's three people that released this song before Tapestry was ever mm-hmm. out. That's how popular it was. And I, that's probably the reasoning behind her not releasing it as a single. You know, she's like, this is my song. I'm going to put yeah. it on the album. But, you know, if you listen to those other versions and listen to this one, this one mm-hmm. blows those other versions out of the water, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Carol just... There's something about the sincerity in her voice that, I mean, she has so much soul because, I mean, she is just, she she sings so from the core of her being. It's that's what great. I find, that's what I find funny coming into this is that you, re, you had heard the name Carol King, yeah. but you didn't know what race she was. You didn't know any of her songs. Yeah. You couldn't name them offhand. You mm-hmm. know, obviously once you started hearing them, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I know this song and this song and this yeah. song. I mean, I, I knew her voice. And here's the other funny thing is like her voice is tailored enough or diverse enough that I can listen to a, a couple of different Carol King songs and not even realize that it's the same person singing. Yeah, and I, I think going into this song, it's got another amazing piano intro to it, and then yeah. the vocals kick in, and her vocals mm-hmm. are superb. They're beautiful vocals, you know, and I love the imagery of the lyrics on this one too, you know, like when my soul was in the lost and found, you came along to claim it. I mean, that's beautiful imagery. Yeah. That's, I think, that really shows the lyrical writing genius of Jerry Goffin. You know, he did an amazing job. Yeah. But her being able to put the music to it as well, but her singing it just kicks this song into high yeah. gear, man. Her singing and and playing it because she's also doing the piano, and it's so perfectly matched. She her, her voice isn't perfect. She's got a little bit of a rasp in it, yeah, kind of like I do. Which tonight. which is actually what makes it perfect. And that's yeah, exactly. But it makes it, that's what makes it so pure. It makes it feel like it's like this is so sincere. My last note on this song was this song is powerful as hell, but soft and beautiful. And that's kind of the way I feel about it because it, it is, it's a, most of her songs on here, that's a good way to describe them. They're so powerful, but they have a way of being so soft and sincere. Oh yeah. She has the power of the velvet glove, you know, it's just, yeah, it's really weird because it's as powerful and as you know, deep in feeling as any mm-hmm. blues song, but it's not blues. It's not heavy rock. It's just so soft listening. And earlier on, uh, when we were listening to this, I, I think we were about three songs in and I said, this is going to be really difficult to do winners and losers. Yeah. Cause, Cause I'm not seeing a lot of losers. Well, how about we get to that right now? Let's do it. Time to get to winners and losers. Winners and losers. So it's your turn first, like always. Good lord, this is going to be tough. Are we doing? Are we starting with winners or starting with losers? Y- you choose. 
Uh, Why don't you start with your favorite songs on this album? All right. I'm going to go with my top favorite, and that's Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. I just, I loved everything about that song. I loved the writing of it. You know, Jerry Goffin really seems like he understood what he was trying to, to say with that. The the singing by uh, Carol and the playing on the piano, everything about that song was perfect. And, and so I put that as my number one top favorite also, I'm going to go with You Got a Friend, because that one was, once again, a perfect song. In fact, you'd probably put it higher, I would think. but um, Higher I, than second? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that you that was your favorite. And then Beautiful is uh, my third favorite. So uh, what about you, favorites? Well, my favorites, my very favorite song on this album, You're Wrong, It's Too Late. Really? Yeah. I've always loved that song. I think for me, just, I don't know what's the feeling of that song, but, you know, you could probably ask me on a a different day and it might be a different one. And for my second favorite, you know, this is kind of funny, but it's a three-way tie between So Far Away, You've Got a Friend, and Will You Love Me Tomorrow. And, you know, let's throw It's Too Late in there. Those four songs are my favorite four songs, without a doubt. I really like You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, too. I like that one, too. I feel bad now that I've done my top three that I can't throw that one in there. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good why we have the album to listen to. Yeah. What's your least favorite songs on the album? Home Again just felt like a album filler but or niche song, something that you're going to pull out every once in a while when you need that, but that wasn't my favorite. It's Too Late was, made my least favorite based on off of the message and that was just me being so critical of the writing so i guess that's just something personal against um tony stern well, Sorry, you're, not, tony. you're not here to please me so don't, don't i am feel bad i am it. here i'm not here to please tony stern either and tony stern's not here to please me also way over yonder i didn't really have a lot to say about it and uh, it just seemed like it was it was just a little different. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, for being as different as uh, Smackwater Jack was, I, I didn't get bothered by the difference in in uh, Smackwater Jack like I did in that song. How about you? Well, let me preface this by saying that, once again, there's not a skipper yeah. on this album for me. So when I'm picking my three least favorites, I would say Home Again. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. It, it was just, it was all right. It just didn't. It doesn't stand out to me yeah. as being special, you know, mm-hmm. although it's a good song. And then Smackwater Jack is one of my least favorites. And I, I think it's more the lyrics on that one than anything. I, I like the song musically. Well, to a certain extent, I kind of didn't like the parlor feel to it yeah. in the intro and in the outro and stuff. But that and Way Over Yonder, I'm I'm kind of with you on those. But they're still excellent songs. I'm. You know, it's hard for me to pick a loser because it's really yeah. not a loser on this album. No, there's no losers on this album. Even our losers are not losers, Carol. No, the, these. this is a good listening album. All 12 songs are strong. Mm-hmm. There are six very, very strong songs on this album. Oh, absolutely. That yeah. you can hear almost, like we said earlier, on almost any yeah. style of radio station nowadays. Yeah, and on a... On an album of 12 songs, that's so impressive. I, I challenge anybody, uh, if you com- if you disagree with us, please write in. But I challenge any listener out there that doesn't think that this song should be a Diamond uh, album, tell, you know, tell us why not. Because I can see perfectly why this uh, album is Diamond. Well, and you need to look at 
the prominence of an album too. I mean, we mm-hmm. sit here and listen to it and I'm speaking strictly on the songs, mm-hmm. how they make me feel, how I, I think the songs, you know, project feelings and sound and everything. And mm-hmm. it's an amazing album, but yeah. you also got to realize that how many of these songs were recorded by other artists and were hits by other yeah. artists before her, because her and Jerry Goffin wrote the songs, how many were after how many films and TV you know, and commercials and things, these are part of, I don't, until, unless you really know, you maybe not know. That's why I yeah. suggest you go out and listen to this album right now, because it's mm-hmm. an amazing album, no matter what kind of music you're into. The the more I learn about Carol King, the more I want to know about her. Yeah, know? she's, she's definitely interesting. And There's I would, a lot going I would on suggest here. you go and watch some of her concerts, more recent concerts with James Taylor, like out on YouTube and stuff. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So should we get to the album rating? album rating so tyler it's a 10 really it's a 10 for me Mm. absolute 10 that's strange i didn't think you'd hit a 10 on it without hesitation this was a 10 well guess what what me too i'm a 10 on it carol you've got it what can i say i mean i'm not uh any kind of producer or anything but even you know a blind man can see that you got it you know what else is kind of cool about these songs that i didn't say earlier they could almost be recorded by any artist in any genre and fit into that musically. Why not? Yeah. yeah. And and they actually have been in a lot of cases. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's an amazing album. And, you know, if, if you disagree with us, let us know. This is a groundbreaking album, and here it is almost 55 years later. Yeah. Well, not quite. What, 52, 53 years later? Yeah. And it's still strong mm-hmm. very strong strong as it was the day it was released it's an amazing album she's an amazing artist can't take anything away from her right exactly I, so th- this is really strange <laughs> i thought you know we hadn't you know reviewed any kind of female album before and we review this one and it gets our first 10 what can i say i like women yeah well that's the way it is but especially like carol king carol i don't know if she'll ever listen to this but boy you made a, a fan out of me in one listening Interesting. Well, that means you have to go buy it. You know, that's not money wasted. I have purchased more than one uh, album from uh, doing this podcast. Just saying. Well, that's good. So you may have to go buy it. Maybe I will. Tapestry. Okay. Let's go to Spotify. It's an amazing album. (laughs) So reach out to us at classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. Reach us on Instagram and Twitter. And once again, thank you for listening. Share us with your friends if you enjoy what we do. We really do appreciate it. And until next time, see you later. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends. Mm-hmm.